All right, we are. <laughs> chipper is Just chipper like, can be like you're a newscaster or something. <laughs> Welcome back to episode 38 of Creative Moonlighting. You're going to run the show tonight because you have been talking about the same topic that we're going to get on into here today. This has come up at least once every other week or so for the last six months, I bet. Maybe even longer. In a good way or bad way? Not in a bad way at all. Probably honestly in the last year, because I think you heard that song Little Boxes a year ago on, on the vacation. Road trip. Mm-hmm. It became the, the song of the road trip. And then you've been thinking about that song. And so here we are now. Finally, we're going to get this out of your system. Not out of your system for good, but I mean, we're going to let you, you know. Yeah, I feel like I should probably read the lyrics to Little Boxes for a moment. Okay, go ahead. And then let that kick off the episode, okay? Okay. So this is a song called Little Boxes by Malvina Reynolds. And I think most people know it from the show Weeds. Oh, really? It was the theme song to it. I think it's the girl version singing it, but... I like the um, Pete Seeger version of it. Oh, yeah. That, yeah, that's I the like one. I like that. Okay. So I'll let the audience hear this because it is, it stuck with me. It like struck me when I heard it and we were on our road trip last summer. I think we were like, I think we were in Wyoming about to get to Yellowstone. Or were we going to South Dakota? <clears throat> I think we were in Boulder. okay well here we go little boxes on the hillside little boxes made of ticky tacky little boxes on the hillside little boxes all the same there's a pink one and a green one and a blue one and a yellow one and they're all made out of ticky tacky and they all look just the same and the people in the houses all went to the university where they were put in boxes and they came out all the same And there's doctors and lawyers and business executives, and they're all made out of ticky-tacky, and they all look just the same. And they all play on the golf course and drink their martinis dry, and they all have pretty children, and the children go to school. And the children go to summer camp and then to the university, where they are put in boxes and they come out all the same. And the boys go into business and marry and raise a family in boxes made of ticky-tacky, and they all look just the same. There's a pink one and a green one and a blue one and a yellow one, and they're all made out of ticky-tacky, and they all look just the same. <laughs> Ooh, that's pretty deep, that huh? That is pretty slicing it pretty thin there. Yeah, so They're I, being pretty direct. Yeah, so uh, I know it struck me. At first, I just thought it was like this little ditty, like old song, yeah. little ditty song, and I kind of dismissed it. And then it either came on again or I just caught on to the second verse or third verse or something and I started listening and I'm like, oh my gosh, replay that song again. Song again. Let me hear it. So how did it strike you? Had you heard it before? I had heard it before um, many times actually, and I'd heard it from when I was a little kid, but my parents played it, but I had never thought about it, honestly. And, and then maybe I thought about it at some point later on, but I, def- I definitely never stopped and like re-listened to it until you made me do that. Mm. 
Okay. So why, okay. Why do you think it struck you so hard? Uh, I think, well, I can give you many reasons why it struck me really hard. Um, I think number one, interestingly, I grew up, and if listeners have listened to any episode, they probably know that I was raised by a Filipino mother, right, who remarried when I was very young and I was raised by a Caucasian white or a white man. Right. Mm-hmm. So my voice doesn't have a Filipino accent. No, right? when we talked in seventh grade on the phone. I and this is how stupid I was. I I knew your last name was. Amagon, yeah, which should have tipped me off to something not Different. white, yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> but it didn't, and uh, and I heard your voice, and I just assumed I was talking to a blonde-headed, blue-eyed girl I, that looked like me. You know, I, I mean, I really had no clue. That's how ignorant I was. And I, when I heard, and I couldn't even pronounce your name. I was pronouncing pronouncing it Amagon, and I was like, oh, she's like geometric girl or something. <laughs> you know. Well, so you know, I guess even now when I think about it. And if you've heard the episode with my mom, you know, she lived out the great American dream. Like she picked up, moved herself, took a major leap of faith and moved to the United States at 19 years old. And and like a not even a proper plane, like a cargo plane. plane. Yeah. Yeah. With dead bodies in it. Vietnam. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think it was always instilled in me that my life would be focused on accomplishing the same thing, right? Which is what? Which is this, which is this song. It's you go to school, you get good grades in school. I mean, it wasn't even an option. Like if I didn't get A's, I was in trouble. And (laughs) one time when I was in high school, I remember, you know, I was starting to get rebellious and I asked my mom, I'm like, why do I always have to be the best at everything? Like, why can't I just be, you know? And she did say this to me, at least she had a reasoning, but she said, she said, you know what? If I thought you were trying a hundred percent and you still weren't the best, I would be fine with it. Do you think that was true? (laughs) Probably not. (laughs) (laughs) Like if I wasn't the best, she would have like figured out a way to make me the best. I feel like that's like how fierce she is. Right. Mm -hmm. But Um, you know, it was, you get good grades, you're the top of your class, you need to be good at whatever it is you do, whether that's academics or sports, and then you're going to go to school, you're going to get a good job, and then you'll get married, have kids, and then they'll do the same thing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So when I hear like the verses of this song, I think about that. I also think about like how the aspiration was always you're going to have a nice house and you're going to live in a nice house that looks like the other nice houses in the neighborhood, you know? And so to me, when I heard that song, it was like, that was the vision of what I thought my adult life or my life would pan out to be because somehow, some way, you know, I was raised Catholic, like very um, traditional Catholic, We went to church every Sunday. I went to Sunday school. You know, I did all of my sacraments. And so I just thought that's what life was going to be. And then (laughs) then I marry an actor. (laughs) 
who decides that we should move to Los Angeles at 22 years old. And my whole world just kind of shifted completely. And to be fair, like, well, I, I think the piece that well, mine shifted too. we were together before that. Well, and I, think, I just chose to, uh, you know what, I'm going to try this out for whatever reason I decided that. Yeah. Well, well I think that was always at your core. Like if you go back and you look at when videos little, from you from yeah. when you were younger, that is who you were. But you kind of got caught up in the social like jock uh, cool scene. So you kind of left that aside, even though you always loved it because you always watched movies and you know, we're yeah. interested um, in weird movies because I remember your uncle had a movie movie. Yeah, he, had a, uh, he had a video store, video store, TNT and, video. And you'd always have these weird movies that screeners. I, yeah. Never seen or never heard of before. And I didn't know anybody that watched movies like you. Yeah. And I, I didn't even like watching movies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You still don't. <laughs> I mean, I still don't really love watching movies, um, but Anyways, the song resonated with me because it was when I started to become an adult, it was the only vision I had for what life would be. And and that didn't quite go as planned. <laughs> it didn't go anything as planned. Not like, even any well, of it, really. No, I mean, I did go to go to school. I did get a good job, like and and worked my way up to getting a good job. But the way you did all of it, the way that it all unfolded probably wasn't exactly what you thought. And then I think I've heard you well, number 1 weren't were we were the first to get married of all of the people that we kind of knew that were our age and we still don't have kids and we're pretty much some of the only ones that don't yeah, I mean, we could count the number of couples on our hands that don't have kids. So I think the thing that didn't that didn't go as planned, right, to this very specific plan that I had in my mind was so we did get we did get married, we did go to university, and then we moved away. We went to Los Angeles, right? And I think everybody at that point just thought well, they're young and they just want to do something adventurous yeah. and they've always... They'll get it out of their system. Yeah, they've always been in their small hometown. So they just need to move away for a little bit and then they'll eventually come back. They'll be back. Yeah, yeah they'll be back. And and honestly, I, I admitted this to you also. Um, you know, I think that was my impression. I just thought, okay, well, he's not really is he really going to become an actor? Like, is that really what life is going to be forever? And, or do I need to just ride this out so that he'll, he'll get it out of his system and then he'll be fine coming back home and getting a normal job. Yeah. Those are the hardest years too, because it was like, I could feel that that's what you were thinking. And the more that I got into it, the more I realized that I loved it. I, you know, I, I probably was just trying it out at first, like seeing if what I loved so much as a kid was really the same thing that it might be, you know, because the thing in real life and the thing that is in your fantasy doesn't always match up. Yeah. And this doesn't match up. Either, most of the time. Most of the time. And this doesn't, uh, you know, the, the alignment of what you would think of being an actor or a filmmaker. Um, it doesn't match the fantasy that that I that I had. But what I realized was that I really, really loved it. I really love to try to weave stories together in a way that seems natural or real. And, um, 
I'm not saying I've been totally successful at that, but I, I've done it enough times to where I'm getting better every time. And uh, I, I think when I've got a taste for that, it could have done one of two things. It could have done what you said, which is like, I'm, and this happened to a lot of people I knew too, where it's like, man, I'm not going to do this bullshit anymore. I'm going to get a job, regular job yeah, and just start living life. Cause I want to start taking vacations. I want to yeah. start, I want to buy a house. I want to, you know, all the things in the little boxes that you decide you want, because there's a reason why people want those little boxes. It's yeah. not like anything. It's comfortable. It's comfortable. There's it's nothing predictable. To be honest, there's nothing bad about it at all. It's just, it's just, it is predictable, mm-hmm. which, you know. And some people really, I mean, lots of people, not some well, people, we're reason. probably the, we're the minority for many of these. That's why this far, topic. Far and away the minority. Yeah. yeah. And people take pride and take, uh, like, put a lot of stock in the fact that they carry on tradition through blood. Mm-hmm. Right. And. Had it worked out for us, of course, I would want to do that, too. You Mm -hmm, know, it mm -hmm. just wasn't the plan for us for some reason. I mean, we've been married almost 20 years. And to me, if that was part of the plan and God wanted that to be it, it would have happened. You know, there's a lot you just packed into that statement. I mean, and we don't have to unpack all of it, but I but it is interesting, to say the least, to think that. You know, I don't know. I don't. I, I would. I would assume we would want to be good parents. We everything else we've ever done, we we've, we've been good at or tried to be good at, and um, parenthood would be no different. I don't know if it would turn into us being like, oh, you know, we got to carry this out exactly because there's a lot of me that isn't by nature. I, I by nature, I kind of am the same as a lot of people, or I can mimic a lot of things that I see. But there's also this other thing inside that makes me want to say no because I hear everybody saying yes or vice versa, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just a almost, almost just a, mm, I don't know the word you call it, but, but whatever it is, you know, I guess rebellious, but it's not, that that's not really the word I'm looking for. Um, Opposing. Co- contrarian, I guess, yeah. you know, it's just, just sometimes just being oppositional just because it's yeah. not a great trait. Sometimes it can be, but most of the time not. Um, and I think because things have gone the way they've gone, um, we can afford to be different. You know, we, we don't, we don't have, we have the luxury to, to, to say, you know, we don't have to do that. And a big part of it is we don't have kids. Yeah. And I think, so what the, the whole spur of this was like, what has not being a parent, like as a result of not being a parent, what are some big lessons or epiphanies um, have you had? Like, I wanted to ask you that, right? Have you had? And then I can share a couple of mine. Well, it's about life. I would say like about life um, and and like how it's forced you to reflect on things. Well, for one thing, I would argue that it's impossible to be unbiased about anything. There's always going to be a slant, even when you don't want it to be, even when you think you're being completely objective, I believe it's totally impossible to just be cleanly and absolutely objective. Um, And I think what I've noticed about the world of parents without, you know, again, I'm obviously not a parent, so 
the, the parents out here that are listening I could easily go, well, you don't know because you're not a parent. And that's absolutely true. But the thing I've noticed is it seems like it's even harder for a parent to be unbiased because they have this system and routine and plan in their head, assuming they're good parents. I'm, this is, I'm, I'm, you know, talking about the good parents <laughs> that care so much about their offspring that they build this system into their world and that system has to, to work. Well, and, with and the- so they can't really be unbiased because they got to keep the thing going. If they were just totally open to every little thing they came across, well, then all their shit kind of falls apart. So it's understandable. Well, yeah, and the purpose of all of that is, or the intent of all of it is, how can I make this little human turn into a what, really great human? Well, and, I, and I would argue too that, that, that most parents think, how can I turn this little human into what I wish I was? You know, and, and I don't mean that in the bad way, although there is a bad side of that. Um, what I mean is that we all, if we're honest with ourselves, we know what our flaws are and we try probably our best not to put that into someone else. You know, I certainly know we tried not to put it into our nieces and nephews when we're around them. We, you know, and I'm sure I still put it in them because you are what you are. They know it. They're not stupid. But I, you know, a parent is trying to mold a kid to be better than what they were. You know, I, I, I think that's pretty consistent. I'm, I'm thinking, I'm trying to think of or any have, exceptions or but, have a life that was better than theirs. You hear well, that both, a lot, both, right? Both. Like, yeah. I, you know, you have it so much better than when I was well, your age. Well, you that's know? the funny part about it is that when they are successful at their job, which is to give the child a better life than they had, then when the child starts to get a mind of his or her own now all of a sudden it's well you got it easy <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. and i that's just that i don't know how to get past that i mean it's uh, you know i've been find myself doing it too but yeah um i think one of the ways that th- again i go to this song was a like catalyst for even me thinking about it was it took me a long time to accept that my life wasn't going to fit in a little box and it wasn't going to look like anybody else's life or sound like anybody else's life or feel like anybody else's life. And like, why did I think that that was wrong? You know, or like, why, why did I feel like obligated to fit into a box whenever I never have like my whole life? I never have. Well, that's what I was just going to say. Number one, I, I think to answer your first question is why, why did you feel like you needed to? Well, the majority is a tough thing to resist. Mm-hmm. That's, that's just the way life is. You look at the majority. We all notice the majority. The, what the majority is doing is what we're being pulled to do too. There's a gravity to the majority that is very, very tough to undo. Well, and it's easier. It's e- way you easier. Just go with the flow. Because you don't have to Literally. deal with anybody judging you, looking at you funny, uh, treating you like you're different. Um, asking you questions that you don't feel comfortable answering. That's all, you know, well and good. But I want to go back to something too is, you know, you said, well, then I married an actor. Well, to be fair, you're, that is true. And I definitely am responsible for a lot of the breaking of the little box mold, at least in, since we've been married. But you were having this issue long before me. Oh, yeah. 
I mean, I've always had it. Like I just, I never looked like anybody else and people didn't do all the things that I did. You know, they weren't, they didn't go play tennis tournaments on the weekend. Everybody was at pool parties and I was having to go to tennis tournaments or like, even still, I think about, you know, our 20th high school reunion who those are people we love. Those are people that we, they're like, you know, family. And I was so sad. I had to leave the next day and fly out for work. Yeah, that was that was a real blast from the past moment because that was what was always going on. Yes. We would all get together to hang out on the weekend or at a pool party or something. And you had to leave. Yes. And actually, we had a pool party at Pat Green's house yeah. the next day. And Not shout the out, singer, shout Pat out, Green. Yeah, shout out to our friend Pat Green. Um, but... Yeah, Pat and Tina had a party mm-hmm. and I was like, I'm going to go and you go, I got to fly out. I got to leave. And I'm like, yeah. dude, this is like so classic Denise. Yeah. <laughs> and so, I mean, I guess those things didn't change, but um, I, I always struggled with that. I just wasn't like anybody else. And so then having my life not turn out to be like others also was just like another thing, you know? Well, you know what's so weird is I almost, now that we're talking about it, I almost feel like if I'm, the reason why I never examined that song or it never like jumped out at, you know, out at me, I think maybe is because in a lot of ways, my family was fairly like, I don't want to say textbook because every family is different and every family has things underneath that you don't, that, that that don't always bubble up to the surface, but for the most part, it was just kind of like your all American family, yeah. you know? And I mean, hello, so, you're blonde hair, blue eyed. You were quarterback of the football team. Yeah. And so a lot of that kind of thing is fitting right into that mold. So yeah. my instinct is to zag to, when people are zigging to go against it, or right. zig it, when they're zagging. Yeah. And yes. so, so that's why a lot of what you've now, the irony of it is that you, kind of always maybe thought you wanted to f- fill the shoes of a of a little box or however yeah, you want to say that. I did. And um and then you get with me who looks like I fit the mold and then what do I do? I don't do that at yeah. all, you know. Well, and it's probably actually why you were attracted to me too. Yeah, I, absolutely. I wasn't like anybody else. Yeah, that is true. And I guess it is, you know, now we're just talking in terms of the the depths of why opposites might attract, you know, yeah. but but uh, but you know, even in making movies, as you know, if we want to relate this to to our creative crew of people out there, uh, you know, even in making movies, I do try to go out of my way to do something different if I can. Yeah. If I can think of it as being somewhat unique and somewhat that I something that I like, and I can justify it, you can bet I'm going to probably try it. You know, and especially if people tell me not to. Yeah, and that was a big reflection that I had was. Um, it doesn't like my life is just as happy as other people's lives who are in little boxes, but it doesn't need to look or feel the same. Yeah. I don't think there should be any pressure either way. There should be no pressure on you to live in a little box. And cause I, I know I certainly don't like want to have that pressure, but and I don't think there should be pressure on you to zig or zag away from it either, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think um, it's just live out what what you're drawn to if it's healthy for you. Like, I'm not promoting, like, you know, I'm not promoting 
anything in particular. I'm just saying for my life, what I noticed is that it took me a long time to embrace the fact that our life looked different. And And your life in general. But, you know, I mean, it's it's tough, too, because there's a there's a downside to living outside of the majority as well. And that downside is like, you know, people are going to probably talk about you. I, I'm assuming people probably will say stuff like, ah, well, that's just Matt and Denise just do this or do that. They like this or they like that. And it's mm-hmm. just not, for lack of a better way of saying it, not normal. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, you know, even... And by even, normal, it's just not the not, majority. Not conventional. Yeah. Not conventional. And, and, uh, and I get that because there are times I feel the gravity... Still, even at 41 years old or about to be 41, um, I, I, I still feel the gravity of, of convention. I still feel the gravity of the majority. And I don't know that it's ever going to go away completely. But, you know, like you said earlier, we were talking about when we made Silverfish and and uh, it was this split, split screen. Yeah, 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 it's like you submitted to a couple of festivals and they just weren't they weren't they had never seen split screen for a duration of a movie. For the entire duration. Yeah, for right? the for the entire movie. And you were committed to it. Like you wanted to do it. And then what happened was people weren't ready for it because it they had never seen it before. Yeah, but I mean, then- I had a couple of festivals outright say, and good one, those would have been really good screenings for us. Um, and they outright said, I think you ruined your movie with split screen. But then you fast forward and now it's like a mainstream. Yeah. Like. Yeah, it is. Choice. I, I, yeah. I don't know that I've seen it like for an entire movie well maybe i have seen it for an entire movie and something else like uh, i can't remember what it was but but it's rare still but you see it all the time you still see it in almost in almost everything you know it's a stylistic choice but you know again it's not great to be early um at least not in the moment it's not great to be early but whenever you look back on it and you go oh i did do something that was a little on the you know, it was on the edgy side, but it it was it was still coming. You know, it's like you could see something, and that's cool. Well, and even whenever you're editing things now, you know, you'll ask me, "What do you think of that?" And my because I again go, my roots are like traditional, whatever. It's always in my instinct to go, "I've never seen that before." Yeah, and then you go, "Well, should I change it?" And I have to remind myself to say, "No, I'm not asking you to change it. If that's what you think is, if that's the version or the vision that you have to create, that's what you need to create." You yeah. know, and, yeah. And I don't need to stifle that because I ha- I've never seen it before. It's I don't have a creative mind like you. Yeah. Well, it is seriously, seriously difficult to do something original. I would almost, it's really almost impossible to do something original, but it's also really difficult to stick with something that's different. Even if it's not totally original, even if you got it, influenced it, or it was influenced by something else. If you try it and it's not conventional, it's just like kind of obscure and people start looking at it funny, especially if you made the thing. And they start looking at it funny and they start saying, I think you might have ruined your movie. And they start saying things like that. Your your thought is, I got to change this. I mean, that there's no way around it. Your mind goes, well, should I just change it? Should I just make it look like everything else? Should yeah. I just do it like everyone else? Well, for what too? It's like, 
again, it's, are you doing it so that people will all say, Ooh, I liked it. I really, you know, it looks so cool, but they're comparing it to something they've already seen. Well, and they want, and mo- and for the most times with art anyway, um, that I think the instinct is to go, yeah, I want it to look like the cool things that I'm seeing right now. But what they're not thinking about is the cool things that they're seeing right now. Someone had to do that and go out on a limb to make it a cool thing. And you're going to get inundated with a lot of those and you're going to get tired of it really fast. Not, well, that's why everything goes in waves. You yeah. know, you have you have your fads and some things stick, you know, obviously with movies, there's no substitute for a good story. We know that. Um, but how that story is told, the style that you uh, carry it out in terms of the, the making of a movie or, or whatever, that's all kind of your own touch, you know. And I think that if we're really going back to your little boxes thing, it sounds to me like what you have been flushing out of your system for the past year, at least saying to me out loud, is that you're finally okay with every time you feel the need to go fit in with the conventional majority, you're okay with saying, no, I don't have to. Yeah. I don't have to. Well, if you want to, great, but you don't have to. Yeah. So I have my top three. Oh, oh. (laughs) All right, then. You've been glad you're leading the charge. Yeah. So again, really exploring the studio space. The question was about um, that I wanted to talk with you about was like, what has not being a parent taught you about life and forced you to reflect on? Right. So we've kind of gone in all these different directions, but. I I wrote three down that I'll, that I'll summarize. So I think the first one goes back to um, just that it doesn't need to look the same. Like your life doesn't need to look the same, feel the same, sound the same as others. Um, but it has also forced me to identify and like preserve what my morals and values are, because we have a lot of freedom as just a pair. You know, like we can go to dinner and go get a drink on a Tuesday night at 10 o'clock at night if we want. And or we do don't, a podcast, right? Or do a podcast at 10 o'clock at night on a Wednesday if we want, because we don't have a sleeping baby in the other room or we don't have kids that are going to wake up at yeah. six o'clock in the morning to get to school. You know, we have a lot of liberties that that we can take. And so it does still force you to say, what are my, what do I value in life? Like what things are non-negotiable as a pair, right? Like we're a family, we're just a family of two plus our four-legged baby, yeah, right? But she's going to do anything we want. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so what things really matter to us as a couple that we hold each other accountable to, right? And it's a, and like, you know, for, for me, I tell you, I'm like, I need a day a week at least with you, just me and you, where it's not other people around. I need undivided, like quality time with you. Well, you and, and I used to kind of like not be, it's not that I was against that ever. It's just that I would just book myself up and not really care about it. But I actually, now you've influenced me to feel that same way, you know, especially uh, the further along this path we go, the more I'm like, no, I would do two days, you know? <laughs> so it's, yeah, it, it does make a big difference to have that level of communication where it's like, okay, we can have a life that's different, but there are some things we're going to do within this life. Yeah. Yeah. And then also as far as like morals or like any of that, it's like, you still think about what hit me hard is 
we are really lucky. We get to spend a lot of time with our nieces and our nephews, some of our, our friends' kids. Taylor our, is going to whoop up on you. Yeah. We got one niece. Well, our niece and nephews. <laughs> and then our neighbors, like we're so close with our neighbors, they let us spend time with yeah. their kids. Well, actually, if you count them, then we got nieces yes. and nephews. Or yeah. our friends with their kids as they're getting older. And you and I had a sit down talk and it was, you know, you got to think about the actions that you're taking when you're around just because you're not their parent, right? It's they're not, watching yeah, you. Yeah. And sometimes they're watching you even more closely than their parents because you're an outside figure that they look up to or they trust, you know? And so, you know, we've had discussions about what do you want to be to them? What kind of example do you want to set? And are you carrying that out every time that you're around them? Yeah. So, well, I so in that regard, you know, we still. It sounds to me like if we're really looking at it honestly, we're still very much tied to the little boxes around us, you know, because yeah. while everybody else is is raising a, a, you know, sort of a more traditional setting and family uh, and maybe we're not doing that per se, um, we do respect the people oh, yeah. and the kids and we got to be careful, which that's been a learning curve because, well, for me anyway, I don't think it was always this huge learning curve for you, but but that was a learning curve for yeah, me. Yeah, just because um, you don't have those responsibilities to a child or to a teenager in your home, they're still around you all the time. Yeah, and, and, so, and if they're listening and watching and paying attention, which they are, yeah, um, it's not a yeah, it's not a comforting feeling to know that you didn't set the best example that you could, right? You know. So that was my number one was just not being a parent has actually forced me to really scrutinize what my morals and values are and how am I carrying those out every day. All right. right? What's number two? Okay. Number two is actually um, this whole like evolution of realizing that I didn't look like other people or I didn't have like a life that matched other people actually helped me be more empathetic towards others because one thing that I always notice is like it's always intriguing to me that really tall people seem to be pretty mild yeah demeanors and little people like you and little what? people like me are like chihuahuas yeah. right <laughs> it's like chihuahuas yeah. versus great danes or something like that yeah. and and it's I I really noticed that that one example in particular because I'm like Oh, so their situation is like their whole life growing up, they were just always trying not to over like dominate people because they were just in stature <laughs> larger, right? And people already feel intimidated yeah, by they're me already if I'm big. Like, like, I, and I'm not saying me, but yeah, if I yeah. was a big person, I'm sure that if you walk around and you're big, people just kind of give you this sense that they're a little intimidated. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And so it it um I get I just like studying people and thinking about what causes them to be the way they are now. And what about me? You know, like it kind of goes in this circle. And, of you, like, and you, on the other hand, you're if you're small, you're like, well, I got to be feisty. Yeah, I got to be able to stand my ground or, you know, whatever. <laughs> Can't it is. let people push me around. Yeah. So I think that's a second result of not being a parent because. I know my circumstance and I think about how it causes me to act around other people 
and like try to be more aware of it. And then I pay attention to others and then have a little bit more empathy for like, okay, that's how they are because of. Okay. And so number two is what now? I know you're like, be more it, it. Oh, be more empathetic. Be more empathetic. You, okay, and and so number two is uh, based on the idea that you're not in the little box like they're talking about in the song. You you, you have to be empathetic to well the people who are in the little boxes, but also to the people that you notice that are different from you, but also not in the little yeah, box. Yeah, to anybody. Like it forces you to look around and just really think about people's situation and go, oh, okay, well. That might explain why they do this. Yeah. You know? Well, and it's such a tough thing to think about because of if you're in the world of quote unquote little boxes, then, you know, it might be hard to hear that this world exists. You just think that that is the world, not not just a big vert. Like, you know, if you think of it like like cities, you know. The city we live in, in our nature, is a very small one because it's not, you know, not many people live in the same way that we do it. But if you do live in the traditional thing, you're pretty much in the New York City of of families, right? And so um, it, it's hard to remember both sides, you know, it's hard yeah. to remember that just because every it seems like everyone else is like you, they're not. Right. And it's hard to remember when you're on the outside, just because it seems like no one else is like you. That's not the case, right. you know? Yeah. So it's it's hard to wrap your mind around that or at least remember it in the important times. Because I feel like, the, especially in this day and age, when there is such a heavy division of feelings, um, you know, we got to we gotta be aware of that. So that empathetic thing is huge. Yeah. And then my third one is um, just that, not being a parent gives you and I the ability to create, right? And because you have time, con- yeah, contribute in a different way. Like, I think people that have kids, they're contributing to society every day because they're raising, oh, they're creating, yeah, they're creating, they're creating. on the highest probably level, yeah, <laughs> and know? they're creating a human that's yeah. going to come into the world and create and be either good or bad, yeah, and so <laughs> or a mix of both. To me, I think it's a thing you don't squander, right? Don't squander time that you have to create and contribute. If you don't have to tend to a child that's growing up, you might as well, you know, share with the world things to think about. Yeah. Like a podcast right. or like a movie or like images or right. a book or right. anything. You find a way to contribute. If you can't contribute to society with a good human that you're producing. Right. Then contribute with with things to make people think or or whatever. Blog posts. Yeah. Right. You know? Right. You said squander. <coughs> I didn't squander it, Paul. I yeah. Swear. Sorry, I had tickle in my throat. I had popcorn right before this. And oh. It's really getting me. All right. Is that number three? That was it. That was my number three. All right. So we're gonna title this <laughs> episode, episode thirty-eight. The things I learned from not being a parent or what, what, what was it? What was it again? Yeah. What not being a parent has, has taught me about life and forced me to reflect on. All right. Good episode. You made me, uh, you made me think about a song that I had heard many times. You made me think about that song in a different way. Yeah. 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 Nice job. 
Thanks. All right. Happy Wednesday, everybody. We will be back to you next week with episode 39. Little boxes on the hillside. Little boxes made of ticky tacky. Little boxes on the hillside. Little boxes all the same. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.